Hey there, EM Over Easy listeners. Drew Kelno here. You know, something we're really passionate about at EM Over Easy is education. If you haven't been to a course recently, there's a movement to change the way we educate. Not just to teach, but to entertain and inspire us to make us better providers and more passionate about what we do. At the forefront of this change are our friends at the Teaching Institute. Now, we happen to think these are awesome people doing incredible work and are fortunate enough that they seem to think what we're doing at EM Over Easy is pretty cool too. So I was lucky enough to steal away a couple microphones, take EM Over Easy International heading down to Cabo San Lucas for the teaching course, and sit down with the masterminds behind the Teaching Institute, Rob Rogers and Slim Rezai, to hear about their motivation for the great stuff they're doing. Speaking of motivation, it's you, our listeners, that motivate us. And we want to hear from you, so we continue to offer you the content that you want to listen to. So be sure to check us out on our website, emovereasy.com. Leave us comments, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and keep giving us feedback on what we're doing well, the things you want to hear, and of course, things we need to improve on. Now, in order to get in the right mindset for this awesome episode, I want you to close your eyes, take a deep, relaxing breath in, and envision yourself sitting on the patio with a cool breeze coming off the deep blue Pacific Ocean on a gorgeous, sunny Cabo morning because that's exactly the setting this conversation took place in. Well, thank you guys for joining this morning. This is awesome. Oh, our pleasure. Um, this is so awesome. For those EMEZ listeners out there, I'm Drew Kelno. I'm here with Rob Rogers, Salim Rezai. We're in the middle of the uh, teaching course. We have a small audience here, which is crazy. Uh, this is the first time we've been international, so that's awesome, in uh, Cabo. Uh, everyone back in uh, Columbus, where we originated from, dealt with uh, freezing rain this morning. So I think I have have the win here. Mm, the weather here is terrible. It's it's you know you guys aren't missing anything. I mean it's only like 70, 80 degrees, sunny, not a cloud in the sky, no humidity. I mean it's the beach is blue. I mean it's just I mean whatever though. I mean it's fine. But, but they won't let us swim. So there's a small negative. well. You can put your feet in the water. I got close to knee deep two days ago and I got yelled at. Did the guy on the ATV come, like, rolling came down the hill? Dashing down the hill. Right. It was like a scene from Baywatch, except I wasn't drowning. Right. Except he kept saying, senor, senor, <laughs> like, something like that. that. Senor Drew. It was the, Mr. Drew. It was the Cabo version of Baywatch. <laughs> yes. But, and it was, don't even come close to getting in the water. So. Um, so this morning, I would love to talk to you guys a little bit about medical education. Uh, you've been at the forefront of, I think, revolutionizing medical education from an emergency medicine standpoint. We've gone through probably a renaissance is the right word in the way we approach medical education, both GME and continuing medical education, I think, over the past few years. Um, I look back at when I was in college, which was a while ago, graduated in uh, the early 2000s, and I don't think PowerPoint, it existed, but it was not mainstream for education, at least not in the liberal arts school I went to. Take a few years off to have a professional life. I come back to medical education and form a medical school and everything is death by PowerPoint. And now you guys are flipping that on its head. So tell me what what that's done, where has medical education gone uh, in your guys' eyes over the past few years, and, and where does the Teaching Institute and teaching course play into that? You want to start? Yeah, go ahead. All right. You know, I, Rob has been doing this a little bit longer than I have. A little bit, I mean by, like, what, five, ten years? <laughs> okay, I'm a little older. It's okay. <laughs> but, you know, he, he already had kind of dipped his his hands into this a little bit. And uh, it was my first teaching course that we did in Baltimore about five years ago. Yeah. That really kind of opened up my eyes that nobody really ever taught me how to teach or how to use technology or just 
what are the teaching theories and philosophies that actually work and what doesn't. And this has really been an eye opener for me. I have read more books in the last five years on education and how the mind works than I have ever in my entire career. And uh, I think what Rob and I envision is that we do such a poor job in general teaching that how are you supposed to teach students and residents to take care of patients if you can't get the information across to them? And I hate to say this for anybody who's listening, but at some point, med students and residents are going to be the physicians taking care of us. Sure. And so I think at the end of the day, you want to do something more than just punch in and punch out. You want to kind of, what's the question you always ask, Rob? What, what's your legacy going to be? Yeah. Um, and I think that that's kind of what we envision is we just want to do something more for the community. Yeah, we, Salim and I were at the Smack Gold Conference. Is that 2013? Yep. And I'm not sure. Have you been to the Smack Conference yet? I went to Smack in Chicago. It was fantastic. Um, You know, there's some, I want to say criticisms, but not everybody's pro-Smack, but but I'm definitely pro-Smack because it's the one conference that I've been to in my life that I actually felt energized and good when I left. Everything else, and I'm not going to mention any other organizations unless you, you really pry it out of me, but... I just leave it there. Everything else I've ever been to, I just, I'm tired. I go back home and, and you go back to work. And I've never felt energized about going to these conferences. They're good conferences. They're good people. But I just, I came home feeling just kind of, ugh. Smack's the one where I didn't feel that way. And Salim and I, when we left there, we talked about, as we developed the teaching course, and we're developing a bunch of other courses, that we need to develop an, a medical education course where the people who come actually feel good when they leave. Yeah. And and not just about, the course is not just about delivering information up front in front of an audience, uh, because you can do that with anything, uh, a podcast or a blog. It's about how you make people feel. And so what we've tried to do is, is I guess, sort of smackify or, or, or deliver that inspirational, motivational component to a course, which I don't think you find in a lot of courses. Um. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that was kind of the original thought was yeah. we need to inspire and motivate. And I think that's what good educators do is, yeah, you know, we, we don't really give them material to learn. We, we inspire them to get it or to learn it a different way. So I, my thoughts are this kind of all started when we went to Smack years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. I mean, I, I, think, I think it's the focus is on the audience. And I think each time we do this course, it feels just a little bit different. And I I think that's because of the individual members who are actually sitting in the audience and that are participating. And then there's a lot of interaction in our conference. There's not, it's not just us kind of doing a bunch of bullet point, (coughs) boring lectures. It's, Hey, what do you guys think of this? Or find a solution for that. There's a lot of interaction. So I actually get inspired and learn something new every time we do one of these. Yeah, every course is different. Yeah, there's a book, I'm not sure if you've read, called Nomad, The Nomad Society by John Marevich. Haven't read it yet. It's and, on my list. And I, I don't know if he coined the phrase or somebody, uh, one of the authors coined the phrase, um, the learning choreographer, which, which is an interesting thing when you think about medical education that... People think to be a good educator, you have to give good feedback. You have to be a good bedside teacher. You have to deliver information well. You have to speak well. You have to do all this stuff. And and I think as we've developed this course, we've learned that that inspiring and motivating people who come is is more about giving them tools to be a good choreographer when they go back to their shop. Not necessarily how like how to speak, which is important, or how to do a podcast, which is important, but how to take a learner or a group of learners and kind of guide them 
through learning. And, and the, that book has changed my philosophy on standing up and delivering information versus trying to motivate learners from more of a, I guess, a paternalistic viewpoint and, and guide them and choreograph their lives as learners. Sure. So you talk about learners. I think learners are a huge portion of this. But the learner, in a lot of ways, has kind of changed over the past five or ten years. Oh, yeah. How, how does that play into all this? What, what do you think of the learner now, and what do you want from the learner in order to get the most out of what education is now becoming? Um, well, you know, we talked about this yesterday. The, the, everybody's distracted. They're on their devices. They're on you know, Twitter and social media and text and Snapchat. And, and young learners are no different than we are. We're distracted, and we're always doing these things. So, Which is funny, because I never thought I was that distracted in college. I showed up to lecture. We had a textbook in front of me. Granted, I didn't have a cell phone that had internet. In fact, we got mocked for walking around college with cell phones. Uh, yeah. You know, like if someone was talking, that like people would throw stones at them and yeah. sticks at them. Because like, the cell phone the used phone. to be like the size of a brick. Right. And there was the car phone before that, which was right. really fantastic. So <laughs> right. we, we've distracted ourselves because I, yeah. I can't sit in a lecture now, but I think I used to be able to. Yeah. Um, the way I think about it is there's this, I think there's a sometimes widening chasm between where learners are and where we are as educators. And the, the more you can close the gap, the more successful you'll be. I think the people who don't uh, become successful or they get frustrated with education, they haven't asked the essential question, how do you bridge that gap? And I think the way to get uh, to close the gap is to, to find out what spaces learners are in. And if you don't at least understand the spaces, I'm not saying you have to hang out on Snapchat, but if you don't understand their spaces, you're not going to get inside the mind of the, for example, the millennial learner. You're just not, you're never going to be there. And so I think as an educator, you have a responsibility to learn about every space they're in. And yes, that means potentially getting an Instagram account. And yes, that means potentially getting a Snapchat account and, and knowing what blogs they go to, what podcasts they listen to. Because guess what? When they come to you on a shift and say, hey, I heard this great podcast. Uh, for example, um, we talk, Salim and I have talked about when Weingart started talking about um, delayed sequence intubation. Sure. When that first came up during a shift years ago, I hadn't even heard of it, but the resident had. That's not a good feeling when you're the educator and you don't even know what the resident's talking about. So you have to know what's out there and know what learners listen to and watch and do. Sure. I, I think the, the two biggest things are, I, I think it's twofold. I think number one, as an educator, you have to learn how to connect with the learner. And, uh, and it's not what it used to be where we sit down and read the same textbooks and uh, go through the same information. The second thing is, is I think once you've got their attention is actually figuring out what makes them click. And what I mean by that is I grew up in a time when there was actually first place, second place, and third place. And were, now, were there losers? Yeah, there was actually losers. I don't believe it. Oh, yeah. And now everyone gets a ribbon. What are you, Gaylord Fokker? You're ninth place. No, I was sixth place, man. I mean, come on. I mean, eleventh, it, eleventh place, freestyle. I was fifth from the best. There's a ribbon for that. <laughs> but like, but my point is, is like, it, it's just the the mentality and the mindset of of the millennials now is just different. I, I mean, we grew up in a competitive environment, and now it's like everything is just everyone's a winner, and everyone, you know knows something. And so I think once you connect with them and they see that you truly are like trying to help them, they all of a sudden will help close that gap as well. So I don't know that it's all just the educator meeting the learner, like on their side of the chasm. I think it's kind of meeting in the middle, but the key is getting them engaged or like excited. And once they see that you're trying to like meet them halfway, they, 
it seems like to me they try and meet you halfway. So I just want to tell you, Salim, I think you're a winner. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> it's got warm and fuzzy on the inside. So I'm going to go somewhere I didn't plan on going with this. Uh, you guys have gotten into wellness a fair amount, and wellness is hugely important for physicians. I am lukewarm on the term wellness because I, mm. I think it is a great thing that we have to recognize, and we have to make sure we have good careers and, and are taking care of ourselves. I think wellness also has been thrown a lot around a lot um, as a cop-out in a lot of ways too. You hear residents go, oh, I'm tired, I'm, I, I'm not ready, you know, I, I didn't have a chance to read that because my shifts went late or um, you know, I'm so stressed out. And I'm sure there's truth to that and we have to be cognizant of the truth in that, but where, where is wellness almost too much? But, you, know, you talk about meeting in the middle and sometimes I wonder if we haven't swung too far. And now, disclaimer, I'm not against wellness. I think that's hugely important, but there has to be a balance with wellness too because if you're not stressed, you're not pushing yourself, as a learner, yeah, nothing's happening. Yeah, I, I, I think that, I think the word wellness in and of itself conjures up pieces of paper where there are check boxes for residency review committees. Like, hey, we had our wellness talk for today, or hey, right. you know, we did the mandatory. I think that the word wellness, I don't think, truly encompasses everything. I, I, I agree. I think that, and I think it's partially related to the age of our learners. Um, my wife is an educator. She sees this in her students that, and you guys have all seen this. I mean, I mean, today's learners, a lot of them, I'm not saying all of them clearly, but they're just not as resilient as it, it's clear. It's clear. They're not as resilient right. as learners were years. Why is that? I have no idea. You know, there's this whole thing in education about the, the lower level of resiliency in millennial learners. And, and my wife sees it every day in, in her practice we see it, you know, you've got college kids crying over getting a B plus and they're calling their parents and the parents who live in another state call back and, and they want and the grade changed. And I think we, we're kind of coddling these, these learners. And the thought is, well, they need more wellness. They're stressed out They're Why? I don't know why they're more stressed out than we were stressed out, but so maybe we, maybe the pendulum has swung back too far the other side because we're trying to to build up um, a generation of learners that, that look like they have less wellness. I, I don't have an answer for that, but there's I, clearly a well, difference. I think it's exactly what I was talking about earlier. I, I mean, I think there is something to a first place, a second place, and a third place. You, you learn to work harder to get first place, and then when everybody gets a ribbon, now all of a sudden you got a B plus. I think that's it. You, you just you yeah. don't know how to handle that. Learning how to, you know, the, the growth mindset that, that everybody talks about, the book, which is phenomenal. It's okay to, to, to fail, and I think different levels of learners, especially based on their age, that's not okay with them. And that that failing as a as a growth element is just not. not like in their what's that Thomas Edison quote? I didn't fail ten thousand times. I just figured out ten thousand ways not to make a light bulb. Yeah, like, something like that. I mean, there's something about failure that I'll look it up and see if you're that correct. That helps you. <laughs> <laughs> there's something about failure though that I think helps you grow and and get something called grit. And, yeah, but if resilience. you fail some learners, I mean, you've essentially, it's like a, you've killed them. I no, mean, no, it's, I, it's a physical, yeah. They, they don't use that failure as motivation. They, they exactly. just appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll get personal. I failed my first test in medical school. I hadn't taken a real written test in I like failed six, my driver's ed uh, test when I was 16. That's a fun thing to tell people is you failed your <laughs> driver's test. When, I, I was worried about having to go was motivated my, right. to take the, the next one. I, I had this fear of having to tell my wife that 
I gave up this great job, making good money. We were going to have to sell our house because I just failed out of medical school and I had nothing in front of me. And, you know, fortunately, I use that as motivation, but sometimes that just doesn't happen. Yeah, but, I, you know, I, I don't think we're doing wellness right, though. Uh, this is just my opinion. I, I think that we're focusing too much on test scores and sleep and suicide, and, and wellness is so much more than that. It's it's time with your family. It's It's exercise. It's you know, moderation and diet. It's spiritual wellness. It's spiritual which, wellness. It's, it's, yeah. it's more than just a checkbox. Like, and, and I think that that's maybe why the pendulum has swung too much is that it wasn't done well when it first, when the term first got brought up and it was really focused on resident suicide is what it was focused on. I mean, that's when I first started hearing about yeah. wellness and then it was sleep deprivation. And, and, and now I think it's gained a critical mass, which is good. And because so many people want to have a, a special area of interest, they've chosen wellness or well-being or resiliency, whatever you want to call it. And now it seems like we've swung too far because everybody wants to talk about it. But I mean, I'll tell you, you know, once you have an event, so if something bad happened to you or something bad happens I, to somebody. I think he just had a first. That there's a cat. On, I'm podcasting. On, there's a cat walking behind uh, me. There's a cat <laughs> walking behind us. <laughs> Wow, we now a have a crowd. Of we have a yeah. crowd of three right now. Yeah. This, is, this is incredible. If you count the cat. The, the up, title buddy? of this episode should be Two Dudes and a Cat." That should be. It. <laughs> that, that's the audience. I right thought here. it was going to be the odd couple. I would say something, but this is a G-rated podcast. <laughs> PG thirteen sometimes. <laughs> I think we've only had two swears dropped on our podcast so far. Okay. We're not censored by iPad or, or uh, podcasting yet. Okay. Um, so, last question for you guys: Where where are we going? forward. So I think we've talked a lot about, you know, why, why this change in medical education, the, the change has been incredible. I think both for resident education, but also physician education in general, and actually getting these courses that people want to go to. And I totally agree that SMAC changed conferences for me. I've been going to conferences, even as a medical student, as a resident, I walked into SMAC and the energy and the aura that they had was incredible. And, and they have going on their own, their own issues. And as every conference and course does, but where do we go from here? What's what's next for the teaching course, the teaching institute, and medical education in general? Well, that's a big question. What the? I think the biggest thing that I'm seeing that I think is going to take place. It's already taking place now through um, sites like Alium. You know, the uh, instruction, all the stuff they have online. I think what you're going to see more and more and more of are everything we're doing moving online because I mean clearly learners like to rewind videos they like to listen to podcasts at twice the speed and it's, it's kind of you know on-demand asynchronous learning and we've talked about asynchronous learning for years but I think everything we're doing is just simply going to move more and more online sure where I'm not saying conferences will go away but you can get I mean look at the sites that are up you know you have MRAP the, the videos that Jess Mason is putting up you've got Alien there's a bunch of different companies and sites doing it already and the more and more, I mean, you're going to have entire, we already have entire curricula online mm -hmm. through Alium where if, you know, if you can watch a really well done video with great audio and rewind it and fast forward it and save clips and put it on your phone, you know, why go to the lecture? So I think, I think things are moving more and more online. And I think if you're going to stay cutting edge, you've got to learn how to, how to, how to do that actually. So I, that's for us, that's going to be a challenge. And yeah, I, I think. As far as the growth goes, I, I, when we first started this, the Teaching Institute, it, it was literally like one course a year, maybe 18 people signed up. Um, I mean, we always got great feedback from them, but it, it just that's what it was. And we've already got like nine courses planned for this year alone. And 
Am I allowed to leak a little bit? Leak podcast or? I mean, I've got. I mean, anal you're only thirty nine, but, but that's that's <laughs> because 39. of the water from Mexico. But I, I just like great. Now, this, was going, <laughs> this was going so well. Now no, no, I'm, I'm actually freaking out now because I had some tap water yesterday at dinner. I'm like, oh no, what's going to happen? Giardia just is set in. Yeah, um, go ahead and leak, my friend. <laughs> so Rob and I feel that there are so many components of medical education that aren't done well that we're going to start branching out and doing a few other things. So we have some courses that are in the works. Uh, nothing solidified yet, but uh, we're talking about doing a simulation course. Um, we're talking about doing a learner's course where you focus on uh, learning philosophy and, and different theories that work. Um, we're obviously breaking out the podcasting course this year um, yep. in Lexington, Kentucky. Which we're going to be at. All three Emo oh, Breezy guys are going to be nice. down there. We're, we're gonna, ecstatic. We're going to put the nerd on. It's yeah. Be great. Um, what's, what else are we? Wellness. Uh, wellness. Uh, yeah, and a couple of other things we haven't. And there's a couple other things in the pipeline that we're going to keep hush-hush for right now. But, yeah, that's that's probably what our biggest growth is. Instead of just doing the teaching course, I think we're going to start focusing, getting more focused um, and roll out a few other courses. Yeah, and the, the one, the central focus that, that I, the, the secret sauce, and it's not really a secret, I don't think, because some courses do this, is people who, who come, for example, to the New York course last uh, couple months ago, I mean, it's just a blast. I mean, people. Right. I mean, we're. It's just. It's just a fun place to go, and I think we can all. Well, that's it. Apparently, I shouldn't travel by myself because I lost the last few minutes of this episode. Never fear, Tanner, Andy, and I are going to have the opportunity to catch up with the guys at the Teaching Institute here in a few months as we travel down to Lexington, Kentucky, and check out the podcasting course. So until then, be sure to check out our other content. And when we catch up with these guys at the Teaching Institute again, we'll be sure to ask them about the awesome stuff they're doing. And of course, find out who their superheroes are and their favorite breakfast foods. Until then, thanks for listening. And we look forward to talking to you next time.